Hey everyone, welcome to a really special short podcast. Um, as you may have heard in the last podcast, we are changing our name from The Right Way Podcast to The Real Story Podcast. And today I wanted to chat about a little fun promotion that one of my books has going on at the moment. Um, only for a few days, only through February 2nd, my third book, Until I Find You, will be on sale, the ebook version, for $1.99. Now, I'm going to just talk a little bit about why we as authors or a publisher does a down price. So we talk a lot about the business on this podcast, of course, and there are several opportunities for authors to really sell a ton of books in a very condensed period of time. This is how some people hit bestseller lists. This is how people climb up the algorithms and ranks on Amazon. So because I have a fourth book coming out, Secrets of Our House, on February 8th, which is really coming up fast, <laughs> we are doing a down price on my last book, Until I Find You. So if you are an ebook reader, if you know someone who hasn't yet read this book and you think they might enjoy it, it's $1.99 wherever books are sold online. So go to your favorite retailer, buy it, spread the word. I would be so, so grateful. Now, a little bit of background about this book. So this book is really special. It's different than my others in that it is about a blind widow, Rebecca Gray, who believes her three-month-old son, Jackson, has been swapped for another baby, but no one in her community will believe her. Now, this book is really based on so many different things, but I am someone who has suffered from really terrible vision my whole life. Um, I've had astigmatisms, nearsightedness, farsightedness. Um, I have uh, what's called vitreous detachments, which means I tip, I basically have 50-year-old eyes, even though I'm 40. And, you know, when I was a boxer, I was a competitive boxer, they were on the verge of retina detachments. And it's always been one of my biggest fears as a human and as a writer to lose my vision. So for this book, I wanted to try to write from a blind woman's perspective and see if I could literally walk in Rebecca Gray's shoes. It's one of my favorite books I've written because it's very, very different. It challenged me as a writer. I had to go so far outside my comfort zone. And I wanted to read just a super short little snippet from it. So Rebecca Gray, when the book starts, she is a little bit paranoid that someone is following her. She has this feeling like something bad's going to happen. She's so sleep deprived. She's a new mom. She has a flood of different hormones going on. She's also a widow. So her husband um, died about a year ago. Her mother has also passed. So she's really doing all of this on her own. She doesn't have a seeing eye dog. She's a little bit too proud um, and she has ego in that, like, no, I can take care of myself, even though not receiving help is kind of a detriment. So she's had a couple scary incidents up to this point. Um, she 
thinks someone is following her. It's how the book starts as she's like taking her son to the playground. She's had a couple instances where she thinks someone might have been in her house, actually, because she's left the door unlocked and, you know, she never leaves the door unlocked. So, you know, some cops are having to come kind of check up on her and she has an incident at a party where she brings her son. Her son is upstairs with the nanny and this like scuffle happens outside and she thinks her son has been (laughs) dropped into the pool at this party And she dives in after him only to discover that the nanny dropped the um, diaper bag into the pool and not her son. So it's this big dramatic scene. And one of her friends takes her and the baby home and is like, you need to rest. And there is an incident. There's another incident leading up to this at the park where, again, Rebecca's there with her friends and her baby. She stands up. She falls. She hits her head. And everyone's just really concerned about her. Like, what's going on with her? Is she okay? Is she paranoid? Does she need rest? Does she need help? So this is after she's hit her head at the park. She goes home. Her friend takes Jackson home with her and is like, go upstairs, take a sleeping pill, go to sleep. So this is right when Rebecca wakes up. Her friend Jess has been staying with Jackson and... You know, when Rebecca wakes up, Jess is like, oh, he's a, he was a little bit fussy. <clears throat> so this is kind of where it starts in the middle of this chapter. <laughs> Worry pricks through my drugged haze. Where is he? Already fed him and put him down. I collapse back against the pillow and massage my temples. Thank you for staying. My world spins and I suck down the glass of water Jess thrusts into my palm. What are friends for, right? She takes the empty glass. Not this. I pile my hair in a ponytail and heave myself out of bed. I stand for a moment and let a fresh wave of dizziness pass before escorting her to the bedroom door. Sorry to take up your entire day babysitting. Both of us, I add, embarrassed. Has Baxter been okay? He's fine. And seriously, it's no big deal. I got some much needed Netflix binging out of the way. She adjusts Baxter and kisses me on the cheek. Let me know if you need anything. I will. I pat the top of Baxter's head and wait until the front door has closed to walk down the hall toward the nursery. I press my ear against the door, but all is silent. I resist the urge to sneak Jackson a kiss, but I don't want to wake him, especially if he's been fussy. Downstairs, I ransack the fridge. I make myself a quick dinner and check my phone before browsing Netflix myself. I listen to my options, wanting something mindless and easy to consume. I rest my head against the couch cushion. Today was a major wake-up call. How can I be expected to take care of an infant if I can't even take care of myself? I continue the plan I concocted earlier. Sleep, therapy, healthy food, a possible nanny, and absolutely no thoughts of ex-boyfriends. Suddenly a cry from the nursery cracks the complex web of my inner dialogue. My body charges to attention. My breath stalls. Silence follows, but that cry sears into my memory. I press mute on the television and wait. Again, the cry smacks me between the ears. I wade through the murky darkness. The wood groans under my socks as I climb the stairs. At the end of the hall, I nudge open the nursery door. The blueprint pulses in my head. Dresser, crib, Rocking chair, changing table. 
The baby cries again, a raspy, dry thing. It is cawing, achy, awful. I reach into the crib and pick him up, but he cries harder. I sit in the rocking chair and run my fingers over his face, cupping the shape of his chin, his chapped lips, his smooth ears, his hair. I search for the notch in his collarbone where he got stuck during labor and find only a smooth blade of bone. He cries so hard he starts gagging, and I shush him until I am breathless. An unfamiliar scent invades my nostrils, and I stop rocking. There's a baby in this room. A baby who feels like Jackson, who looks like Jackson, who could probably pass for Jackson if someone wasn't paying close enough attention. But I am. I yank a terrorized breath, but it does little to calm my nerves. My mind sparks, terrified. There's only one thing I know. This baby is not Jackson. This child is not my son. Okay, so that's a little sneak peek from Until I Find You. Again, on sale through February 2nd for $1.99. I would be so, so grateful if you click that little button to buy, if you share it with people who don't typically buy paperback books and want something easy to consume over this beautiful, cold (laughs) January month. Um, Thank you guys so much. I'll be back next week with Joe as we dive more into the real story. 